on radio, streaming live on investtalk.com, and for our podcast subscribers. This is Invest Talk, above average investing for the average investor. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. And now, KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, December 4th, 2019. And of course, you know, I do welcome you to the show as I do every day. I appreciate it. We're live Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. And I do do enjoy talking to you and answering your questions. So please do do not hesitate to ask any questions. There's none too simple that we can't t- tackle, okay? People people sometimes don't want to call because they think they don't know enough and they don't want to ask a simple question. Well, that's not that's not how it works. That's not how you get educated. That's not how you get, get gain knowledge. You gain knowledge by asking. So don't hesitate to do that. Today, there wasn't a lot on the plate uh, as far as economic news, and the market did recover, except, did you notice, you, you got to be real careful, everybody, because the news, and the stock market is being driven day to day, day, to day like a crazy person. Like, Remember, I, a long time ago, I don't know how long ago, I told you that the market on a short-term basis, on a day-to-day basis, acts like a spoiled child. And it will go up and down and throw tantrums on a day-to-day basis. Long-term, it's very rational. Market goes up because earnings of companies go up. Well, this is a good example. We had a couple days where Trump mentioned that, uh, you know, if the Chinese trade deal doesn't go back, go, get passed this, you know, this until next year or after the election, okay. And the market hated that and it fell, you know, sharply in two days. Then today, oh, uh, Chinese trade talks are going pretty well and the market recovers. That's what I mean by day to day craziness that you cannot react to. You should not react to that because it's too, it's too volatile. You don't know what day-to-day-to-day it's actually. So you, you just stick with the companies that you know are solid, good companies to own. And don't worry about the day-to-day actions of the news-driven investors and traders trying to figure out what's going to happen tomorrow. No one knows. You can't time the market. It's impossible. So just be careful. I'm Steve Peaslin, and I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you'll call me as well with any of your questions about anything to do with money, anything to do with financing, even though that's not my expert, but the stock market, uh, real estate. We'll talk about anything financial, insurance, anything. Insurance I do have a lot of knowledge on. Uh, That's how I started my career back in New York in the insurance industry. Uh, So, you know, whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk about as long as it's on the financial vein. And that's where we'll go. So the goal here is always, always to help you achieve financial freedom. That's where we're going. That's where we're all going. That's what we all want. Those who, those of you that already have it, congratulations. And you know, you you listen to the show just to get some unbiased opinions on things, and I'll be I'm I'm content with that. I want everybody to reach that financial freedom goal. And of course, to do that, we answer questions. So you can call. We're live eight 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 ninety nine chart. That's the number that you can reach me. That's an anytime number. You can call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're live on that number, 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday. Well, Christmas will be here soon, and I will make one more trip. As you know, I'm going to San Jose tomorrow. 
and it's full. I, I'm, I'm talking to five people, and boy, my voice will give up probably by the fifth person. I'm pretty sure my voice will be pretty much trash. So that'll be my last trip uh, to San Jose this year. I will be back probably next month, uh, late next month. But I also will be late next month. On the 24th, I'll be in Dallas. I'm taking appointments for that right now. And then, that's a Friday, by the way. And the following Monday, Tuesday, I'm going to be in, uh, I'll be in, or Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm not sure which one. Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I will be in uh, New York, back to New York again. Popular demand wants me to be there, I'll be there. So, uh, that's going to be cold, late January. I'm just not used to it. I'm just not, you know, I'm from Southern California, been Southern California. For, I grew up here. I spent eight, nine years in the East Coast, Northeast, and, um, and New Jersey, New York area, and uh, couldn't wait to get back because I, the cold was tough on me. I guess I'm just not used to it. Anyways, those that's kind of my schedule right now. We'll have more details about that in the next couple of days. My main talking point today Okay, my main talking point concerns a particular story. Where to hide out if we have another December market plunge? Remember last December, the market went down a minimum 10%. Some indexes was almost 20%, but you know, the S&P was down a little over 10%. Uh, so the question is, is that going to have a repeat? Usually it does not repeat. Usually December is one of the best months of the year. But since we had a November that was very strong, I don't expect December to be that strong. I don't. And I don't expect 2020 to be very strong either. It's going to be a stock picker's market next year. So be careful. So, you know, just we last December, it was the worst December since the Great Depression. Very unusual. But the talking point, is there safe sectors to be in when that thing happens? And that's going to be my, one of my, that is the main talking point. I have other things I want to discuss. How about what 2020 should be, what we should, what should be looking for or be, uh, uh, that will affect the market? What should we look for to affect the market 2020 next year? I also want to talk about some uh, economic statistics, ISM in particular. You know, we'll talk a little bit more detail about it. I mentioned at the top of the year when we open, but I'll, I'll talk about some more. And comparisons with our 10-year Treasury rate. You know what our 10-year Treasury rate is? 1.783%. That's how much money you can make per year if you bought a 10-year U.S. 10-year Treasury. Well, how about a 10-year Germany bond? How about an Italian, Spain, or United Kingdom or Japan? How much do you make? I'm going to give you those numbers. I think that's very instructive. And that's going to be our talking point. Of course, you drive the show. You tell me where you want to go. We'll go wherever you want to go. As I said, as long as it's financial. And today, the market was up 147 points on the Dow, 46 points on the NASDAQ, 20 points on the S&P. Now, that, wasn't, that didn't even quite reach half of the recovery that we've had the last few days. But that's what it was today. There was a good, a decent bounce. It was higher than that. Just like the downtrend interjay, it was higher than that. Just like yesterday interday, it was much lower than it ended up at the end of the day. But those, that's where we are. Okay. Um, so let's go ahead and kick off the show with a, with a call that came in earlier on our listener line. 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. Calling in from Seattle, Washington. Just wanted to get your opinion. I'm uh, looking to park some money somewhere for the next two years. 
And I keep coming back to Ford for that dividend. See, I know it's a cyclical stock, but I just can't see them breaking below $8 a share in the next two years. Um, I could be wrong. There's nothing wrong with Ford Motor Company. It makes automobiles under the Ford and Lincoln nameplates, uh, you know, finances and leases and, and has offers insurance. So that's what they basically do. And Ford Motor Company is going to make $1.24 this year after making $1.30 last year, $1.78 the year before. Next year, they're going to have a little rebound to $1.31. It's an $8.95 stock. So that tells you that the stock is around 6 PE or so, right? 6 plus PE. And don't think that that's, you know, ooh, that's super low. No, that's pretty low. But the car companies always get low PEs. And the five-year range for Ford is 5 to 13 PE range. So there, certain industries don't get much of a... A PE. That's you know this is one of them. Car company. One of the reasons is they usually carry a lot of debt, but Ford does not have a lot of debt, which is good. They pay a six point seven percent dividend. Okay, so if that's the case, okay, then they probably won't be able to keep that high of a dividend. They have plenty of cash flow to do it. Three dollars and thirty eight cents a share. But a dollar thirty-one, you know, and it's a nine-dollar stock. So seven times nine, seven percent times nine-dollar stock. Remember, it's eight ninety-five. Just rounding it off, is a dollar sixty-three. They only make a dollar thirty-one. Where's the rest of the money going to come from? It's got to come from somewhere. So I'm not so I'm not convinced that 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 dividend yield will stay that high. So therefore, parking money there might not be the best idea. You know, there's other companies that pay high dividends that have have easily covered the, their what's called a uh, dividend payout ratio. I like we like to keep it around 60% or less, and there's and this one's a hundred, little over 100%. So you don't want that. You want something less so they can increase the dividends going forward. And there's companies that pay very high dividends right now, maybe not 6.7, but five and six that can do it easy. So why don't you pick them? You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And we present this program with five new shows each week, Monday through Friday. And it is broadcast and streamed live in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time. And whenever, you know, you have investment questions, I really do encourage you to explore our podcast library. So each, you know, each you can search, listen, subscribe, and please take a second to rate our podcast. I appreciate that. You can do it through iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and even on investtalk.com. So I'm taking your live questions now at 888-99-CHART. It's another busy investor work week. You've got investment and financial questions, and Steve and Justin are ready to give you their unbiased guidance. The Invest Talk phone lines are open, so call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, oil at $58.55 a barrel. And we talked about oil and OPEC and OPEC's lack of uh, power these days. And one of the reasons that that is so, uh, one of we know we know that is so, one of the, because they've taken their national oil company public because they're going to control, they want to control the price. Uh, um, uh, they can't control the supply anymore. 
So they have, they can't, they, it's just not, not possible with us being a, the largest producer now. So they're going to try to make money by manipulating the stock price of their public company. They're going to only sell like, I don't know, some fraction, like 2% to the public. That means they're maintaining 98% of the company. So it's not much. But they got to do a different... you got to remember, Saudi Arabia's whole economy, their whole government is funded by oil. I think they charge, I think they cost them about six, eight dollars a barrel to produce their oil. And they're getting, you know, $58.55. Because oil is priced internationally in dollars. Two-year treasury, 1.58%. 10-year treasury, 1.779 at the end of the trading day today. And gold at 1474 an ounce. So is gold going to make another run? I kind of think it will. I've noticed that the dollar, and how you can look at the dollar is, you know, is an ETF called, symbol UUP, um, and it represents the dollar. And I've noticed that that has fallen one, two, three, four, four days pretty hard, last four days. Even today it fell, even though the market was up. So, you know, the dollar doesn't necessarily follow where the market does. So what did gold do in the last four days? Well, you, you can look at gold by looking at the ETF for gold, GL, GLD. You know, G, oh, D, let's see what it's done in the last four days. And the last four days has been up. <laughs> so that's what normally happens. Dollar falls, gold goes up, gold you know, and vice versa. But it was odd that, that there was a disconnect for the last few months. Interesting that that happened. Okay, ADP reported. Did you see this? ADP reported, uh, uh, the payroll people, they reported job creation of 67,000 new jobs. 67,000 new jobs last, uh, last month. That was way below the estimate. The estimate was about 121. We get the official jobs report tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, Friday. Friday. This week, anyways. So, interesting stuff. Now, on the next Invest Talk, we'll explore this particular story. Corporate America's debt load is nearly 47% of the overall economy. Experts are warning this could worsen a future economic downturn. That story is tomorrow, everybody. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. And now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Steve is here. He's taking your calls live. Step up with your questions now, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Mike from Washington. I have enjoyed your program for a long time now. I really appreciate your insights and your understanding of the market and financial business. I have a quick question. If a man is about 50 years old and he still does not have his own home or purchasing one, then not too far off from retirement, right? Should he be putting his money in the stock market or putting his money just in some kind of uh, safe savings system like a CD or whatnot? Or should he do both simultaneously? So if you could uh, give me some kind of answer on that, I'd appreciate it because I have a son that is in that situation, and I'm a little bit concerned about his interest in the market because of the way the market has been going now, because you never can tell when it can turn. So 
So thank you for your help, and I'll listen to your answer on the program. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, isn't that the truth? You never can tell when it's going to turn. You can't. You know, you just never know. Now, he said he was 50, doesn't have a home, so he doesn't have any assets in a, in a property, and that's okay. You know, you don't have to have a house. That's not. There's nothing written there. What is written is you got to have some retirement, uh, some kind of retirement assets set aside. And if he's 50 and he's not going to retire until he's 65 or 70, whatever the age is, it, he still should be in the stock market. If he's 50 and he wants to retire in the next couple of years, next three, to two to five years, then he should not have all his money in the market. Some, but not all of it. Especially since it's it's a little bit overvalued and we're. You know, we we are aren't within the next five years. Obviously, going to be in a recession somewhere in there. You know, so you don't want to get be right in a recession right when you retire. That's very painful. So um, he doesn't have to buy property, but he should should stay in the market if he's 15 years out from retirement. If he's much shorter, two to five years, then he needs to be much more careful and not have all the money in the market. Maybe not even, but maybe about 50 percent, even. You know. Still, still, the market is the best place to be long term, and you're going to live. If you're 50 and you're going to retire at 55, you're going to live into your 80s and 90s. That's a long time—30, 40 years—that you have to live on your assets and whatever Social Security is going to pay you. That's a long time, long, long, long time. So you got That means you got to stay up ahead of inflation. You got to have some hedge against that inflation. That means stock market. Good question, though. My main talking point today concerns a particular story, uh, where to hide out if we get another market plunge. I mean, basically what this, what this, what we're saying is, what sector should you be in? That's what we're saying. That's what this whole, it's an article that I'm referring to, and you can see it on the website. That's basically what they're talking about. Well, what sectors worked? You know, it's really instructive. What I and just for you, you out there, what you should do is come up with a list of ETFs that are in every sector of our economy. And there's only about 15 of them. You know, the 10, 15 of them. I mean, it's not like you got to work so hard to find all. No, no. I have I have it taped to my screen. All the ETFs that represent each sector. Okay, and I just look at I look at them every day. And all you have to do, you don't need, you don't need me to tell you this. You can do it yourself. All you do is type them in every day and look at the chart. Compare one ETF with the other. There was three ETFs, three sectors that stayed pretty stable in the last two days when the market really fell hard. Consumer staples, especially cons compare consumer staples with consumer discretion. Very stable. Utilities, very stable. And healthcare, healthcare did great in these last two days when it fell apart, the market fell down hard. They stayed up pretty well. So there's the three sectors that, it, it may not, the, those are three sectors that really avoided the volatility of the rest of the market. Now, will that always happen? No. But you've heard me talk about utilities and st consumer staples all year long. I don't know if anybody out there has all year long bought them, hopefully, but they're the sectors that have been the most stable. So, and of course, in the last two days, the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, healthcare was very good, especially the drug companies, I noticed, I noted, anyways. So, this article is talking about where can you hide out if there's going to be, well, you know, load up on those sectors and you might do a lot better than the overall market. 
Of course, you could load up in cash, and therefore you won't infect the, you know, the market. Doesn't affect you. But once you get out, no one knows when the market's going to turn back up. You, you don't have a clue, so you're just guessing. And that's the bad part about being out of the market. You're guessing, and yeah, you can. You know, uh, I tried. I you know, I really don't make a big effort to avoid corrections. Uh, I'm I'm I try to make an effort to avoid the the bear market. That's what I try to make, and, and sometimes I'm wrong. Like I thought, that you were, if you were listen to the show all, you know, late last year, early this year, I said I think if we're going to have a recession, it'd be late this year. Uh, and only about a month ago that I say, well, it looks like I was wrong, and it looks like I'm wrong, and it looks like it's going to be pushed off. And I gave credit to the Fed for changing my outlook because they lowered, remember they were raised rates last December, turned around raised, and lowered rates three times this year. Just a complete turnaround, which surprised me and everybody else. Okay, each day of this program, we talk about the economy, right? And we quantify the size of our economy in dollar terms as GDP. Well, how, much, how big is the economy? GDP. Well, today, the United States economy, GDP, is about $20.5 trillion. $20.5, number one in the world. Now, looking back over time, what was our GDP in 1933, just in the Great Depression? How about 1960, 2008? I'll have the answers back here after the break. 888-99-CHART. From sunrise to sunset. Hi, Steve. This is Carol in Alabama. From dusk till dawn. Hey, guys. It's Carl from Philadelphia. The questions keep coming. I had a question regarding portfolio yield. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Big fan of the podcast from New York here. I'm calling from the Chicagoland area. From Newport, Kentucky. Invest Talk listeners have one objective. This is Frank from the Bay Area. Financial freedom. Had a question on your opinion about this Vanguard Total Bond Market Index Fund. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. My question today is about diversification. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really thank you guys for all of your knowledge and wisdom. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, I'll give the answer on the trivia question in just a minute, but let's first go to Art in Menlo Park. How you doing, Art? Good, Steve. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Um, I did. Thank you. Uh, Strategy-wise, as far as um, divesting like an IRA, even though I Uh don't really need the money right now, but I'm just thinking along the lines of, uh, I think my taxes anyway will be higher, you know, going forward, you know, the next few years or so. I'm eligible at this point. I'm in my early 50s. But uh, I was just wondering about that because um, I'd rather pay less taxes and uh, if I take out, like, you know, X amount of dollars, like this year, uh, and get taxed less than, let's say, the next few years, uh, would that make any sense? Because 
I would think it also uh, lower my RMDs as well. So I was just wondering uh, what your opinion was. Well, you know, since you're making more money, you know, and you're in a, high, a higher tax bracket, it's, a, it's always wise to try to bring, bring your tax bracket down. And the only way to do that is through an I, a regular IRA, not a Roth one, or a regular 401k and try to max them out. You know, even though it's going to be higher RMDs, and for everybody else, RMDs means required minimum distribution because you have to start taking the IRA and your 401k money at age 70 and a half. But that's not till 70 and a half. And at 70 and a half, your income should be much less, so you should be in a lower tax bracket. That's the thinking, anyways. So I tend, and without getting too much details, I tend to tell people. You know, if you're in a higher income bracket, you know, start start putting money in your IRAs and your 401ks. If you're young and you're in the, you're just starting out, you know, do the Ross. You know, so, so that's just my personal actually, opinion. Actually, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Go sure ahead. I, uh, because what I'm saying is, uh, since I'm already in my early 60s, I was thinking about uh, taking distributions now versus. Uh, you know, um, further out. But aren't you in a higher tax? Uh, but aren't you in a high tax bracket now? No, not not at this point. No, you're not. I've, uh, already retired. Okay. I've I've already retired. Well, then you can start. So, uh, oh, I see. I see. Yeah, so you can start start taking it down to draw it down so you could try to reduce your required minimum distributions when you have to start taking money out. I see what you're saying. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that thinking. There's nothing. Doesn't mean you need to spend the money just because you took it out. Uh, uh, you, uh, you could put it, uh, Art, you could put it in a regular account, a joint account or an individual account and invest it that way. You know, don't, don't, you don't need to spend it if you don't need it So because you might need it later on when you get old. Art, thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Let's go to Robert in Vancouver, Washington. How you doing, Robert? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the call. So, I got a question about CSCO. Cisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it looks like it's at its all-time low. Now, I'm not sure if this is due to the trade war i mean i don't know if it's going to go any lower or is this a good buy point does it only go up here from here just wonder what thoughts were okay okay it's not a it's not at an all-time low it's been at 40 dollars even this year it's at 43.89 now uh last year's low was 37 the year before was that was 29 the year before that was 22 so it, it, it has been much lower than where it is even now now, looking at Cisco, let's see if the valuation is there. Everybody, Cisco Systems, we're talking about the one, not this, there's two Cisco's. This is the one that makes the switchers, switches and routers, it's a tech company, okay, uh, not the food service company. Um, network, communications, hardware, you know, that kind of thing is what they do. Uh, their growth rate is in the single digits now because they're so big. They're a $186 billion company. You can't keep growing a company like a fast tech company when they're that big. So now they're now pretty much a big blue chip stock. That's what they are. They pay a 3.2% dividend. Earnings are going up about 5% a year. And it's a $43 stock going to make $3.40 next year. That tells you that the PE is, what, about 13 or so? 14, 13, 14, and that's about midpoint of its range. Really good return on equity, 36%. 
So they really are efficient with their with their assets. Um, so even though it fell from 57 all the way down to 43, it's not cheap. It's about midpoint of, it's just, it's just at probably close to the value. I think the value is in the 40s, in the mid 40s, maybe in the high 50s. So I, I wouldn't be anxious to get in it right now. I would not be, um, I think it's got a little bit more to go on the downside. I think you might get a bit, kick it up in the low 40s and pick it up at 40, 41. That's a low of last December, by the way. It could. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. But see, I think that's built in the price. Everybody knows that. You know it. I know it. Right? So all the other investors know it. So what if the trade war, what if Trump gets an agreement on the trade? You know the stock's going to turn right around go back up, right? You know that. Mm -hmm. Right? But, but well, as it isn't. Won't happen and, until after the next election, and so it doesn't seem like he has any plans to make any changes. And you believe him? I don't believe him. I don't believe him yeah. at all. One thing I you can... Yeah. Trump, Trump, you know, he, you need to read his book, The Art of a Deal. Art of the Deal. He is a... Uh, no matter how much you might not like him or you love him, I don't really care. What he is, he's a very good manipulator of making deals. That's his specialty. And that's what he's doing with this trade stuff. He's trying to make deals. Now may be not be successful. And remember, he's up for re-election. He's going to want want agreement with China, no matter what he says. He's going to want it. So I'm 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 thinking a 50% chance or, or more that we'll actually get a trade deal next year with China, and that will help certain. That'll help Cisco. That's for sure. So I think you're thinking of trying to pick it up at a low price is probably good thinking. I just don't know if I do it right this second. Appreciate the call, Robert. Thank you for the call. That was Cisco. C-S-C-O is the symbol, everybody. Okay, talking points. What in 2020 should we look for to affect the stock market? Three things. I got three things. The Federal Reserve's rate cut and, and QE. It's already doing the QE. Are they going to do another rate cut? Well, maybe. what if the jobs report come out on Friday is really bad? Think they might do another rate cut? If they do, it'll be early part of next year. That's number one. I'll be watching the Fed. Number two, China trade, which we just talked about, and I explained why. I'll be watching that very careful. And the global economic picture, not just ours, globally. Globally. And just as a side, you know, back in August, the yield curve, that means the two-year and the 10-year, the two-year is paying more yield than the 10-year was paying. Usually the longer period bonds pay higher than the shorter period bonds. That's the norm. Well, we had it inverted in August where the two-year paid higher than tenure. Whenever that has happened, whenever that has happened, a recession followed. Now, the, always the question is, is how soon? Do you know that average is 18 months afterwards? 18 months. That means 2021. Now, to throw another little wrench, little monkey wrench in this whole scenario, the yield curve did not stay inverted for very long. It was a short inversion. Does that mean that may not happen this time? It's possible. I don't know. I think I'm going with the stats. It's going to produce a recession at some point. I really, I really, really think that. 
So that's my opinion. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk. So obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance, and that's hopefully why you're listening to this show. You know, we have lots of experience, and I guarantee you, I'll give you unbiased guidance. I don't owe anybody anything. You know, a lot of times, that's not true with that, with research reports and things. Got to find out who they're working for. Who are they working for? So they want to think that. Now, you can get that through my e-newsletter that comes out every Friday. You should subscribe to it, the KPP Premium Newsletter. That's what we call it. Every Friday, I distribute it. In the newsletter, you'll get valuable information such as the week's market analysis, portfolio management guidance, some couple stock ideas. And each Friday on Talk, I try to share the highlights of the KPP Premium Newsletter. So you can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com, investtalk.com. And I'm now ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial. InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are the principals of KPP Financial and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices parallel investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about Parallel Investing and the other KPP Financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve, this is Robert from Indiana. Hey, I got a question on the 529 plan. Uh, so I wanted to know if I open a 529 account with, say, suppose a Michigan state, uh, but... I live in Indiana and I'm in Indiana, so will I still get benefit tax benefits in Indiana or not? I just would like to know your thoughts on that and what would you recommend? I love your show and uh, thanks for your time. Have a good one. Okay, I am not sure as a foreign citizen um, what if you are you can take advantage of the tax benefits. I'm going to say that you can. And remember, the only tax benefit in a 529 program, and for everybody else, a 529 program is a uh, educational investment. It's a an account for college education, accredited college education, and pay for tuition. Uh, and you put money in it, and the money you put in it is taxed already, but all the growth in the 529 is not taxed. There's no more taxes on any any any. Um, any returns you get in the 529 program. And then as long as you spend it for education from an accredited college, you're fine. Now, the question is, if you're a foreign citizen here legally and have a job and all that stuff to put money in a 529 program, do you still get the tax benefits? And my gut feeling is yes, but I'm not an expert. Remember, you're talking to a guy who's not an accountant. I have no accounting anything. So you need to talk to your accountant about that. But my gut feeling is yes, you will still get the tax benefits. And the problem, but the not it's not really a problem. The restrictions on the 529 is it has to be used for accredited college, college and tuition. Probably room and board too, but I'm not I'm not even positive about that. 
it's got to be an accredited. So you can't use it for anything else. And you designate a beneficiary in the 529, usually your child. But you can switch beneficiary. You can switch it to yourself. You can switch it to your wife. You can switch it to your grandchildren. So if your child doesn't use all the money or decides not to go to college, you still can use it for college. So just you got to just designate another beneficiary. Okay. Let's get another call on the question from our 888-99 chart number. Hi, my name is Robert from Sunnyvale, and I'm curious about Zoetis, which is ZTS. And just in the way that the pet industry has moved, Zoetis being a spinoff from Pfizer and being now independent, just curious what you think about that. Look forward to your answer. Okay, Zoetis Inc., ZTS, uh, develops animal health medicines and vaccines with a focus on livestock and companion animals. I really kind of like this sector a lot. Why do I like this sector a lot? Well, because they, they, you know, they produce drugs and medicines for animals, and let's say they do something wrong. Unlike, unlike for humans, if something goes wrong and they hurt your animal, the liability is pretty limited. You're only responsible for the animal's cost or value or whatever. And no matter how hard or harsh it sounds, you're all, the animal's only worth X amount of dollars. Where you don't go to it, you don't have to, you can't get more money than that for pain and suffering, that kind of thing. doesn't exist for animals. This company has grown its earnings 15% this year and 11% next year. It's growing its sales 7 to 10% per quarter for the last four quarters. Before that, it was 10 to 12% per quarter. So it is a $57 billion company. And this is where I kind of run in trouble with, with the company. It's going to make $4.02. It's selling for $119. Well, gosh, you know, you're talking about, you know, a, a 30 PE. 30. That's pretty darn high with only 7 to 10% growth. Pretty high. The range is, in the five-year range, is 21 to 37, so the P.E. range for this company has been pretty high. Because I'm not the only one that likes this kind of business. A lot of investors like this business. That's the problem. You think you discover something new? No, you haven't. Other people have already discovered it. So it topped about $127, $128, and now it's $119. I would wait for a bigger pullback because uh, it just is expensive. Hopefully it will happen. Maybe it won't. Doesn't pay much of a dividend, only half a percent. So nothing there. Great return on equity, 77%. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have only one goal here, everybody. That's to help you achieve your goal, your financial freedom goal. And of course, our work will continue after this break. So get your questions in now if you can. 888 99Chart. On the next Invest Talk, sounding the alarm. Corporate America's debt load is nearing 47% of the overall economy. Experts are warning that ballooning figures could worsen a future economic downturn. That story tomorrow. But now Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. My name is Donald in North Carolina. I uh, appreciate all you do for your listeners. 
My question is hypothetical. If I have, if I own 20 ETFs plus stocks and mutual funds, at what point should I set my stop loss orders or trailing stops? And do I do it? Do I do a trailing stop on every equity that I have? I'll look for the answer on the show. Thank you so much. Okay, first, uh, the last question. No, you don't put one on every equity you have. A stop loss, everybody, is to a point where you get out. If the stock goes down a certain level, you get stopped out, or you, the, you a, trigger, a sale trigger happens and you sell the stock at that level. You should have a group of core holdings that you just hold on to and don't pay attention to them. You know, you buy them right at discounts, buy them in a recession, buy them when they're beat up, but these are good, solid, blue-chip kind of companies. But you could put stops on anything if you want. Then the question you ask is, where do you put a stop loss? And that's much more difficult because if it's ETFs or individual stocks, you have to ask yourself, well, how volatile is it? Does a stock, if it's a stock, does it go up and down 5% a week? You know, or does it go, does it jump up and down? Is it very slow moving up and down? If it's slow, then you can put a tighter stop. It could be, you know, 5% below its low point, you know, its top. If it's very, very fast, you're going to have to widen that stop or you get stopped out instantly right away. So you can't, there's no one answer to that. It depends on how aggressive you want to be in your stop losses and the types of positions you have. And I wish it was that. I wish it was simpler. And you know, you'll you can read all kinds of stuff that will make it simpler. And you think, oh great, here's something that says I'll do it this way. Oh okay. And then you'll find up end up uh, no. Why am I always losing money? Why am I always out of the market? Why 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 why? Be, or never out of the market? <laughs> you know. Because it doesn't, it's not that simple. It's not that simple. Oh, put a 10% stop loss from its most recent high. And if that hits the 10%, then you get out. Well, what happens if it's one of these stocks that go up 2 and 3% a day or down 2 or 3% a day? It's just as one of these high-flying tech stocks that, you know, just is super, you know, super volatile. Then, you know, that 10% stop probably was worthless. You see what I'm saying? What if it's a stock that doesn't even go up 10% a year or down 10% a year because it's so slow? You see what I'm saying? So there is no one answer. That's the problem with that. Good question, though. Not just one answer. Okay, comparisons with our 10-year treasury. I wanted to get this in before the end of the show if I can. You know, our 10-year treasury, if you went out and bought a bond, our 10-year treasury bond, you would get 1.783% a year for 10 years, 1.783%. So one, one and a little, one, little over one and three quarters percent per year. That's very, very low, by the way, based on historical norms. But what if you did the same 10-year bond and, and bought a German bond in Germany? How much would you get? In Germany, you'd have to pay a third of 1% every year. You'd have to pay the government to buy their bonds. Instead of them paying you, you pay them. That's negative interest rate. Now, if you were a German investor, would you rather buy our bond or your German bond? See how that works? You would never buy your German bond. Italy pays 1.29%. That's pretty good. That's, you know, at least something. But so why is Italy paying 1.29%? Spain, you will get paid... 
0.42%, so a little less than half of a point. In UK, you'll get 0.74%, almost three quarters of a point. In Japan, you have to pay them 0.033, so you don't get paid. You have to pay them. So our, our bonds, which are the safest in the world, our bonds are paying the highest in the world. Our dollar is also the safest currency in the world. So why would why would you buy those bonds in those countries? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. As an individual investor, you wouldn't. Tomorrow, maybe our next day, maybe I'll go into why they're negative. Why someone would pay them to buy those bonds. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Invest Talk program. I will be meeting with investors tomorrow in San Jose. It's all about portfolio review consultation. So, and please be sure to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. Justin will be here tomorrow to do a live show. So, get them uh, when you do get them to download our podcast. Also, tell them they gotta rate us. We want to be rated. I want to be rated. Be sure, you know. At, remember, you can get a download on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and InvestTalk.com. Have a great night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.